From my dining table or my living room couch, and sometimes even my bedroom, this is Soon to Be Esquire, the podcast. I'm your host, Madison Tory. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Soon to Be Esquire, the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, Once again, sticking with the theme of highlighting some amazing women and individuals this semester. We have another great um, guest here today. It is Aspen Murphy. She is an amazing law student. She is currently a 2L. She's in her second year of law school and she's kicking ass and taking names. I mean, she's doing it all, honestly. She volunteers for so many things. She's a part of organizations, but y'all get this also. Get this. She is also a mom. She is a mother. I don't know how she does it all, um, but I cannot wait for you all to hear from her. This is going to be a really, a really great episode. So welcome, Aspen. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So let's get into it. So first question I always ask this is, what is your why? You know, why do you want to become an attorney? Why did you choose law school? Um, Well, I always wanted to go to law school. I just never really had the time (laughs) to sit down and do it. Um, When I finished undergrad, I had a job lined up and actually was working my last semester um, for a major cable news network in undergrad and just stayed there when I finished. So um, I just never stopped. And when the pandemic started, I was in a leadership institute And the Leadership Institute actually was on the campus of Loyola University. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to go to law school. And so um, when I had a lot of time to think about it, I started to get my application material together and get ready to take the LSAT in March 2020. And right after I had my interview at the school is when everything shut down. And so really, um, had the pandemic not happened, I'm not 100% sure I would be here because I don't think I would have ever stopped working and Mm. stopped um, focusing on what I was doing at the time. So, um, you know, uh, I kind of ended up in law school because of the pandemic because I had time to sit down and think and actually study and take the LSAT and Mm -hmm. do a lot of things that I to prepare for law school that I probably wouldn't have had the time to do had this not happened. Wow. What a way to turn not, I don't want to say a tragedy, but something, honestly, a challenge and an obstacle, but really using it for your advantage. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. (laughs) So I want to talk a bit about your background, you know, walk with us through your journey um, from undergrad to law school. What's that gap? Um, Yeah, just walk with us a bit about what these past few years have been like for you. Yeah, no, I um, started off, um, I'm originally from Louisiana, kind of lived all over the U.S. and then also um, did study abroad in France and stayed there a little Mm. while. And um, I went to undergrad at Howard University, VHU in Washington, (laughs) D.C., and uh, majored in broadcast journalism and French. And so um, after that, I I worked, like I mentioned, my last semester in school um, full-time for a major news network. And I stayed there for a couple years after undergrad working between their New York and DC offices and did a couple of temporary assignments in Atlanta and Los Angeles and things like that. And then after that, I went to work in community relations at a um, Fortune 25 company. 
And it was during that time that I was working there that I found the Nancy Morsegli Institute at Loyola and mm. kind of led to my path to law school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was it Loyola in particular that really intrigued you about law school or about the law? Was it because they had that program or did you always just know, okay, yeah, the law, I know this is something I want to do. I've always wanted to go to law school. I just never took the time to stop to make it happen. Right. And so um, being here for the program, it really focused on constitutional law. Mm-hmm. And so in doing that, I'm like, wow, I really like this. <laughs> I really enjoy learning about the law. I enjoy um, kind of deciphering the constitution and, and understanding what the framers meant. And so it was just kind of an interesting segue into um, being here. And, you know, I've done quite a few of the leadership programs around the city. And had it not been for the Institute at Loyola, I don't think I would be here because I always made an excuse not to continue mm-hmm. to pursue my education. It was just mm-hmm. always, oh, I'm busy or I'm working, I'm doing well, it's okay, I don't need to go back. And so um, being here really gave me the time to focus on what was next. And then once everything shut down, I really had a lot of time to think about what are the next five, 10, 15 years going to look like. And so just staying on track and finishing my applications and going through the LSAT, I was very fortunate. I applied to the four law schools in Louisiana and I really only wanted to go to Loyola, but um, I uh, wasn't sure how everything was going to work out. And so I'm just really excited that I was lucky enough to get into all four, but um, received a very generous scholarship package, Loyola, and just very lucky to be here. Love it. Yes, you did. You are also an Ignatian scholar. Congratulations. That is, that's amazing. Um, I love to see more diverse and people of color in that program. It's so important. And it really sets up the legal field to produce more, just really be more diverse. I mean, having Oh, goodness. A lot, a lot, a main part of getting into the law kind of sets a lot of diverse and people of color back because you have the LSAT, you have to study for that, you have to get a certain score, but then all the fees that you have to pay for, um, letters of recommendation and the essays that you have to do. There's just sometimes some of us, we aren't able to get all of those resources. And I think Loyola does do a good job with um, diversity and recruitment when it comes to really trying to, okay, well, this is what the world looks like. Let's try to make sure that our legal field reflects that. Yeah, definitely. And um, Professor Christo is actually working on a couple of things in terms of like um, a research paper and some other um, articles about Black Lawyers Matter. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really great to work with him to try to I guess, put something together. I did a um, research assistant position with him for a little while. And it was just interesting to to find the resources that are out there that um, unfortunately some people just don't know about. So just trying to get people to know that, you know, there's things like Clio that helps you Mm -hmm. with the application process and puts you in law school um, where you can graduate without debt. And I think that that's one of the things that historically have stopped um, you know, minorities, specifically Black people and more specifically Black women from going to law school. And so I want to hopefully help people as much as I can to let them know about all the resources that are out there available for them because 
there's the first thing you have to do is remove the barrier to education. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. once that barrier is removed, you have to help them to succeed. You can't just put someone in a position where they're not having an income. I mean, are not having, um, I guess, services to system along the process. So I think the Clio program is really, really amazing with that because not only do they make sure you are able to graduate debt-free, they also help you in terms of making sure that you have mentors and people, uh, support groups pushing you along the way. So um, it's been really interesting to, to work through that. Well, I'm loving the passion that I'm already able to detect just from the way you're speaking and what you're speaking about. Automatically, I can tell that you're following this certain path that I think you already, you have kind of figured out like, okay, well, this is my passion. I know this is what I want to do. So I'm just not even going to get distracted by X, Y, and Z. And I'm just going to go ahead and follow with it, follow in my purpose. So, I mean, I didn't even know you were a research assistant. That's amazing. Congratulations on that as well. But I mean, from that, and then also knowing that, okay, Loyola, this institute they have right here, this is amazing for me. And then also, you know, being an Ignatian scholar, that's perfect for social justice and public interest law. And I'm really starting to feel that, okay, that's one of your passions is to definitely move the needle forward for legal diversity and just justice for all people. Yeah, and I, um, I, it's, it's just been an interesting path, I think, to get here. <laughs> and so um, I just feel like I'm lucky. And um, I've had a lot of help along the way from mentors mm. and, and uh, people that have just been phenomenal. And, you know, I think that one of the best things you can do is that if you're the first, you make sure you're not the last, right? right. And so, um, you know, one of the things you know, I, I just finished my last two years as the board chair of the River Region Chamber of Commerce. And while I was doing that, I didn't know when I got the position that I was the youngest person to get it. And I didn't know that I was the first black person, male or female, mm-hmm. to get it. And so when someone pointed that out to me and I had to pick my, you know, successors, I made sure that someone that looked like me was behind me, someone who was more than qualified and who's going to be amazing when her turn comes up. And I think that right. it's really important because, you know, had I not had a mentor that saw someone something in me and helped me to get there, I wouldn't have been able to have the opportunity. And so you just have to make sure that there's someone um, that if someone helped you, that you help someone else. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I would love to dive deeper into, you know, your path to the legal field. Could you break down with us, um, for us, what that application period was like? I know you said the LSAT in March, but um, what was that application like? I mean, getting letters of recommendation from different people and trying to take time to really complete all of the essays and applications that were required. Yeah, definitely. So um, I was going through the application process in the beginning of the pandemic, right? When, you know, everyone was kind of just kind of stuck at home. Um, So uh, during that time frame, I actually was one of the first classes to take the LSAT flex, which is where you take it in your bedroom at home (laughs) or in your office. um, So that was an interesting process to do that and um, had LSAT props solely online. And then um, the application process was interesting because 
everyone was trying to navigate, are we gonna accept the LSAT less? Okay, we're gonna have to accept it because these students can't take the LSAT. What does that look like? Um, so it was just an interesting process because everything was changing, including um, on the day of my interview in March, when I mentioned I was just thinking about possibly going to law school when the shutdown happened, and then my day of my at the law school was the day they found out they were going to have to shut down. And so, you know, I some of the people I just interview with couldn't interview with. They just came. They said, "Hi, sorry, we're, we're just finding out we're going to have to shut down, so we have to leave." But welcome. Here's these people are going to help you out, and it was just, you know, it, it was just kind of uh, we'll wait and see. And after I filled out and got everything done, the application process, Loyola was the last school I heard from, so I was getting very nervous. Um, and I was lucky to receive scholarship offers from the other universities, but when I received Loyola's, I just started crying because I was like, this oh, is wow. actually happening. Like this is this is amazing, and um, it was just a great feeling to know that I would be able to. Um, be here and, and, and be, I guess, in law school. Wow. No, yeah. I keep saying congratulations, but I think it's just such a beautiful thing when you definitely have that feeling kind of a, it's a full circle moment. Like, yes, this is, this does make sense. Like, okay, yeah, I feel comfortable doing this. And you kind of get confirmation of that. I just, I I think it's an amazing thing and it kind of, it just reaffirms and confirms everything that you've been doing, all of your actions. Um, so I would also love to know another part of your life. So from school to career, I know you said your last semester of undergrad, basically you were working full time, right? Yes, I was working at um, the news network doing I was able to cram my classes into Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> I worked Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Oh my goodness! Wow. And at the, at this point, did you are were you already a mother when you were working full time and you had no. classes? No. Oh no, I was not. And so I was just you know getting through undergrad and and um you know starting my working career. And, right. you know, and so now being in law school as a mom is a, a definitely a different thing. I mean, my children are my top priority and everything else kind of comes second to that. And mm-hmm. I read somewhere in a book once um, where um, a really successful woman, I don't recall when it's the, who wrote the book, I just remember this one piece that stuck with me is when she said, um, you can't be 100% everywhere. You kind of have to pick and choose what to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm always gonna be 100% present for my children. That is the number one priority. And so everything else kind of comes secondary to that. So you just kind of have to make your priorities and you have to be okay with other things not always being perfect. So, you know, I'm not going to make every event at school I want to go to. I can't join every club I want to go to. I want to be in. You have to kind of pick and choose and prioritize. And as long as you don't miss the important things, like I'm going to go to class, (laughs) Um, you know, it's okay to, to miss, you know, some of the sort of social, I guess, aspects and the um the club aspects of being involved and i'm also active in the community i sit on some nonprofit and chamber boards so i have to plan for those board meetings and my commitment to those organizations as well so it's just you know you have to get comfortable with saying no to people and you also have to get comfortable with knowing that at some point you can't be a hundred percent everywhere 
but knowing that, okay, you know, everyone has to decide what their priorities are. And for me, it's my family. That's always going to be number one. And everything else just kind of comes back into that. Right. I, I love what you said, though, is sometimes you have to say no and be comfortable with your answer. Because I think the legal field, especially for law students, ha- law students, we kind of have this feeling sometime of wanting to say yes all the time to so many opportunities because we're like, oh, the end goal that end goal that's always dangling is getting a job, is securing a job. So when it comes to your 3L year, when your friends or professors ask, oh, hey, what are you doing after graduation? You can already give them an answer. You know, when it comes to summer opportunities and everything, you're always trying to secure the next thing. And I think because so many of us can be chasing that sometime, chasing a job um, with the public defender's office or with the firm or with the um, nonprofit organization. So many times I think we can kind of forget to say, oh no, because one, what sometimes what they're asking is not always expected of you. It's not in the job description. Um, you can be going out of your way for that. And I think it's really important to know your boundaries and making sure that whoever your potential employer may be, will understand those boundaries as well. Definitely. And and I think one of the most important things I learned in my professional career prior to coming to law school is that you have to set boundaries because if you don't set boundaries, no one's going to know where that line is, right? Um, there, If you don't set boundaries, there's no line that and someone won't cross. You know, if you want to work, 18 hours, most employers would be like, cool, do it, right? Very few are going to be like, hey, take a step back. And so one thing I found um, coming from working at so many successful companies is that I found that men have no problem saying no and setting boundaries. But women, and specifically minority women, a lot of times will determine that, oh, I have to do everything because they feel like they have something to prove or, Mm -hmm. or they're just not comfortable saying no. Right. And I've had to watch that with myself because I want to do everything. It's just in my personality and it's just what I like to do. But I've, right. I've found that in looking at my colleagues, um, a lot of um, people that look like me, a lot of times are like trying to do more than what's necessary to kind of, I guess, in some ways compensate. And so I mm. find that sometimes it's okay to take a cue that the answer is no, I cannot do this other thing. And you shouldn't suffer for putting boundaries. And if you are, then you're probably not in the right place. Right. Right. That's, that's so good. So from your career and motherhood, what are the lessons that you've learned that has been relevant in, I mean, your experiences now as a law student? I would definitely say prioritizing. Um, you know, you just have to prioritize certain things and making sure that you don't let those things fall to the wayside. And another thing is just personality. Everyone is so different. And, you know, you come into this um, environment and in a lot of situations, high stress environment, especially in law school, and you just put all these little personalities together. (laughs) You just have to remember that the same personalities you have in law school with different people, it's the same personalities you're going to meet in the work workplace mm-hmm. and, and throughout your life. And so you just kind of have to adapt to people and understand that everyone's not thinking the way you are and everyone's not going to react to situations the way you would. So you just have to be cognizant of people's personalities. And I think that coming from a working environment, 
um, having to deal with all of the different personalities has definitely helped me to understand that and navigate law school a little better. Right. I think that's, that's really good. That's so important. And so, you know, the lessons that you learned, how did you apply those, you know, in your 1L year, if you could tell us about that a bit? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the having to balance previously, like working and um, having kids and being involved in the community was so super translative to my law school experience, because I've been there, right? I've had to balance, I've had to, so I kind of treat law school like a job, you know, Um, now I think the hours are a lot different than pre-COVID, but um, pre-COVID, it would be like a nine to five, right? You treat law school like a nine to five. You work at right. law school nine to five and then take your time, take your break, take your time to reset. And so, you know, I have hours where these are law school hours. I'm doing law school things, but when I'm done, I'm done. I'm hanging out with my kids or my family or whatever it might be. And I think that having that hard line of, okay, after X amount of time, I'm not doing anything else for law school, say finals week or whatever, you know, when something, um, specific is going on but you know like but as long as I treat it like a job and I do everything I need to do in this time frame the work will always be there tomorrow Mm. but getting to have dinner with my kids every night is not or getting to you know go to swim lessons with my kids or whatever it might be so just having to prioritize and realize that um, law school is a lot Mm -hmm. it's a lot and it's a lot when you have you know, nothing to take care of but yourself and your law school career. So it's, it's definitely a lot when you have kids and everything else. So just prioritizing and finding the time to do what's best. Um, I think it's probably one of the biggest things that that's helped me. So during your winter year, were there any challenges that you weren't expecting? Doing school law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I found kind of was great about one all year was that I wasn't commuting. I wasn't trying to find parking. I wasn't trying to, <laughs> you know, get into the classroom. You know, it, you didn't have to worry about all of that. So, um, you know, it was a challenge learning online. But I think that it also came with many perks. You know, you didn't it, have it to did. get dressed up. And <laughs> right. Like that. So um, I think when I came to 2L year, I was like missing Zoom school law. But like mm-hmm. in the beginning of 2L year, I was so excited. I'm like, yay, I'll just be on campus. This is going to be great. And then I was like, oh, can I go back home? <laughs> um, but it was just it was just definitely a change, you know, for sure. Right. But I think um, we've all adapted to it and done the best we can. And it's been great to like, actually meet people and um, yeah. get to talk to people and see people in the hallway. So that's been interesting as well. Right, definitely. I I can definitely agree with you because I feel like my first semester of one a year, I think it was the traditional, it was definitely the traditional law school experience. And then second semester, you know, world turned upside down, basically. But 2L year when everything was online, I definitely, there were so many perks that I definitely took advantage of. I felt like, oh, I'm getting more sleep. I have more time to do X, Y, and Z because, you know, you're not getting up early to commute from wherever you're going and trying, like you said, trying to find parking, which is not fun. It is not fun around the school. Um, But then also getting a good seat in class and all of these different things. And, but the thing I did miss so much was just being around people and in those relationships. How, I'm curious, how did you establish relationships with 
other law students during that first year? I think what happened was when we would get put into groups for a group project, Mm -hmm. it would just kind of be like, okay, these are your friends now. Like, this is who I'm going to study with. I need a study group. This is who I'm going to um, talk to. That's just kind of how it happened. And those same people we still talk today. Um, So it was less organic and more so like, oh, we're in this group project together. We get along. Everyone's great. Everyone's putting in their effort. We can do a study group or something. Right. So that that's kind of how it happened. And it actually worked out well because um I don't know, it just took took off, I guess, some of the pressures, you know, the social pressures of it. And it was like, okay, we're gonna get on Zoom and we're going to study. We're not gonna sit here and <laughs> you know, you know, I don't know, kind of play around or make jokes or which jokes still happen, but you know, it was more, I guess, um specific and more prioritized. Um, and so I think that it really kind of helped because when we were put into a group together for a group project, it was like, oh, we have to do these things on Zoom. And so it just kind of was like a natural transition to, right. oh, I'm working on this this problem for this class. You want to work it together and, and that sort of thing. Right, right. No, that makes sense. I like how at least the professors were able to participate in forming those relationships as well. Because I know when I heard, oh, my goodness, this new class is starting off online. The only reason I got through my first, no, my first year of law school was because of my peers. Um, That was my biggest support system there. And so I'm glad at least it came in some form for your class. I'm really happy about that. Now, changing to your 2L year. So those same lessons that you learned from your career, from your motherhood, from, you know, being on Zoom and collaborating with other students. How have you used those lessons your 2L year? You know, we're in person now. What are some of those differences that maybe you weren't expecting? I think that learning to reprioritize, and I hate to keep using that word, but it's like the most important thing. Um, Like you always need to get sleep. You always need to make time for, you know, your friends or your stress relieving activity, whatever it might be. You, you, always need to make time for things that keep you healthy, both mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, now that we're in person, you have to commute, you have to find the good seat, like you said, you have to, you know, make sure you get to class on time and, and you know, find somewhere to go get lunch or whatever it might be. So, um, you know, you just have to prioritize and make sure that everything that you plan for the unexpected, I guess, is the best way to say it. So um, one thing I never let fall um, you know, whatever my kids need, they're going to get, and they're going to get it first, right? No matter mm-hmm. what. But then I also need to sleep, right? I also need to make sure I have social time with my friends. I also need to make sure that um, I get all my schoolwork done and my readings done and so on and so forth. So I think the way it translated from 1L to 2L was just finding out how these new things fit into the schedule and making sure I still have priority for mental and physical things. Mm. So, um, you know, we didn't have to commute last year, but now we do. I didn't have to worry about meeting with my professors in person. I just, you know, would schedule a Zoom appointment and right. so on and so forth. So I think just making sure that you prioritize the things that help you to do well in school, but also you prioritize the things that help you do well in life and for your future. You know, if you don't set healthy boundaries now while you completely control your schedule and you're not mm-hmm. bound to an employer or to your client, it won't bode well for you when you have to, you know, also make in time for your clients 
schedules and your employer's schedule. So you just kind of got to find a line and stick to it no matter how hard in the sand it has to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're making me think now, what would a perfect law school experience be? Would it be a combination of maybe online and in person, like this amazing hybrid situation? What would, I'm curious, what would your dream law school experience be like? I have no idea because (laughs) I haven't had the, I guess, luxury of having a normal law school experience since we started off this way. Um, So I'm not sure, but I do enjoy the hybrid. Like I do enjoy when some of the classes are in person or online. I think that that bodes well for a lot of people. And I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about like neurodiversity and things like that in, in terms of a learning environment, but we also need to talk about that. That also comes along with the fact that people learn differently in different environments. Right. So some people yeah. learn better in Zoom school law. Some people learn better in person. Some people learn better in the classroom and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And so we just, I think, need to get comfortable with the fact that online learning is here to stay, just like online marketing. Exactly. Um, you know, the whole world changed in March 2020, and no one's going back to that. I think that's why you have the great resignation, you know, an employer's mm-hmm. across the nation mm-hmm. right now. So I think that schools will have to get on board with it eventually, um, right. the hybrid learning structure, because it, it it seems like, at this point anyway, that very few people want to go back to the burnout that um, was being experienced before. Right. I completely agree. One of the final questions I have for you is what are you most looking forward to for, I mean, everything you have left for law school? Is it graduating? Is it, I don't know, taking and passing the bar? What is that for you? I think um, for me, it's making an impact. You know, um, I've always, in all of my jobs, worked on um, series when I was in news or um, programs when I was in um, corporate communications and community relations that impacted people and more specifically people of color, like people mm-hmm. that are historically underrepresented and it's kind of been a trend throughout my career. And so I just want to make an impact in that space, however I can through the legal field. And um, that, you know, one, one thing I I think I've noticed is that, you know, I'm a black woman married to a white man. So my kids are, um, they're mixed race and I want them mm-hmm. to be able to have access to the same privileges their white father had and not be held back in certain instances because they have a black mother. Mm. And so I think that, you know, in weaving the path that I've wove through the last few um, careers I've had is that. I want to make a change so that my kids never have to have this conversation, right? That they never have to worry about that. And so I think that, you know, the last administration definitely set us back in that goal. And so just hoping that um, I can help out in that space, um, you know, wherever I kind of can fit in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Do you have any parting words for everyone tuning in? No, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I I just appreciate the opportunity. Well, thank you so much. It has been a delight. Everything you have said, I think has resonated with me and everyone listening. And I hope that you continue to inspire so many more people coming up um, to be the best versions of themselves, but also to know that they belong here just as much as everyone else. 
And I think you are definitely setting the record for that. And we all appreciate you for doing that and creating a space for everyone. So thank you. Okay, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Soon to Be Esquire. I really appreciate y'all's support. Be sure to check out the podcast Instagram at Soon to Be Esquire. Come back in another two weeks for another episode. Have a good one.